I'm Carson Daly, and I practically live online. It's true. Ever since the first time I heard the dial-up tone of AOL, I've been familiarizing myself with everything the World Wide Web has done to shape pop culture, from the early dot-com days to the Web3 and crypto boom. And what I've learned is that there's a not-so-secret society of entrepreneurs, influencers, and innovators who are incubating an entirely new zeitgeist, on and offline, and I can't wait for you to meet them. So tune in every Tuesday to hear my candid conversations with internet and technology trailblazers so you too can join us in leading the next digital revolution. This is The Carson Daly Show. This week, we have David Henzel. I don't even know where to begin when it comes to describing David. You know when you hear someone say, oh, me and -and so-and-so are cut from the same cloth? Well, I have to admit that I don't even think me and David's cloths were manufactured on the same planet. We are so different, but that's what made him so fascinating to me. He's a veteran entrepreneur in the SaaS and e-com space for over 20 years. His approach to business and life is so pragmatic in like the most inspiring way possible. His personal and professional mission statement is love, not fear. And it serves as a North Star decision-making tool that made me feel like life's biggest challenge and obstacles don't actually have to be nearly as hard as we make them. Together, we talked about managing happiness, managing time, managing your business, and managing family, and holy shit, his approach is an eye-opener and a heart-opener. I think our chemistry and conversation dynamic in this episode could be summarized as when opposites attract. So please enjoy David Henzel on The Carson Daly Show. David you are the CEO of UpCoach, a veteran entrepreneur in the SaaS and e-com space of more than 20 years. With multiple exits, you've got a portfolio of startups and your passion project called Managing Happiness. I don't want to say you are overqualified for my podcast because I might <laughs> insult some of my past guests, but you are like, no disrespect, adulting. Like as far as this podcast standard goes. <laughs> I'm old. Yeah. You know, not at all, but you are like peak adult. So I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. I want to know, like on a personal level, where are you from? Where have you been? Where are you now? Just a little background. I'm from um, Germany originally, close to Frankfurt. I moved to Los Angeles in 2009. Um, I saw what was going on in the startup ecosystem there. And in Germany, where I was, there was like nothing going on around that time. So I was drawn over there. So I sold my business in Germany, which gave me the money to get my investor visa in the States. Moved to LA, co-founded MaxCDN, a content delivery network, which we sold in 2015, had a nice exit. And um, then we, actually my, my mother passed away which really sucked because she was awesome. And my wife was very close to my mom. And she, after this um, incident, she wanted to be close to the family. So she wanted to move back to Germany. And I could not do German weather again because after being in LA for so long, you know, yeah, I just yeah. couldn't, couldn't stomach it anymore. And so we decided to move to, this, uh, to the south of Turkey, um, which is on the same latitude as LA. And it's really nice here and somewhat close to Germany. And so we're here in Bodrum, Turkey now for the last seven years. That's amazing. We have like some, I see some parallels or similarities. Um, I too moved to LA from Vermont, which I, have you ever been to the East Coast, like New England yes. area? Okay. Yes, yes, so yes. massive culture shock, like also not a lot going on. So what was your 
experience like getting to LA? Like what was the, what, what was like the rose and the thorns? So the best part and kind of like the hardest or worst part? I think overall it was like a really good experience. I had really good friends there and uh, business partners. And so it was like a very soft landing and the business worked out phenomenally well. So it was like a huge growth and personal development experience kind of coming from the German market as an entrepreneur and then like being an English speaking market, like, hey, the world is my customer all of a sudden. I'm not like confined to small Germany anymore. Um, so yeah, I think it was like the biggest personal development thing I've, I've done for me personally. And um, I mean, just LA, it's 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 large. Your friends are all over the place. It takes traffic's horrible. So I think there was like no real... <laughs> <laughs> super downside other than like the LA annoyances yeah know? definitely definitely after so I like I said a lot of similarities like I I was working at a startup I was employee number three in Vermont like worked my way up started as marketing assistant and then became director of brand development and after about three years I really felt like I like did my work like I hit my goals there and I moved to LA to start my own consulting, marketing, branding agency. And I did really well as well. And then I also felt like, okay, I got what I needed out of LA. And, and then I also fell in love with somebody who lives in England. So I moved from Vermont to LA to England. And just like that jumping around and kind of culture shock was definitely intense. And it, I felt it have that, like you said, that that entrepreneurial roller coaster and and the kind of uh, motivation and demotivation. Did you experience any of that, like transitioning just kind of across the world into three, like from where you came from to LA to Turkey? Not really, actually. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm together with my wife since we're 18 or 19, and she has Turkish parents, even though she's born in Germany. So I've been like very close to that culture. And uh, not, not, I mean, it was like, Germany is definitely much or like also this introvertness and not being that outgoing is like definitely a German trait. You kind of stick, mm -hmm. stick with your own and um, Americans are way more open, way louder, you know, like in, in, in LA, everybody like greet people on the street, like, Hey, how are you doing? Actually, the first time I came to the States, I was like seven, 16 or so. And I was in New York and I come to, into a store and the guy asks, it's like, hello, how are you doing? I was like, why do you ask how I'm doing? Like, why do you care? I don't know you, you know? So it's like definitely like, differences uh and also you know kind of uh the certain people in la um sometimes are more surface level you know like mm. so like hey yeah let's do dinner it's uh, you know sometimes yeah. like we have to get know, together I, miss you yeah, how, yes, yeah yes, yes. In, in germany oh, yeah. if you tell somebody like hey we have to get, grab dinner they take out their calendar so like okay when when are we doing <laughs> uh, so this definitely different even though i had a very amazing network of close friends where this is not the case because I, I weed people out fast if they're mm. you know I think how you do one thing is how you do everything mm. and so I I ruthlessly weed out people that do not fit my criteria Good for you. Of I gotta take people. I gotta yeah. take some pages from your book for sure I had when I moved to England like their version of like hey how's it going or whatever is like 
are you all right? And like hearing that is like, I'm like, am I, why do I not seem all right? Like, is that, am I okay? <laughs> but then as an American person, if I ask like our, our DPD, like delivery guy, I'm like, how are you? He's like, well, you know, actually I'm not very, like, he just like gets into yeah, the whole story. Like he's, like, he's real, you know? It's I'm like, like, oh, okay. Like as an American person, you say, how are you? And you're like, good. Like no matter what it is, it's just like, yeah, I'm good. Yeah, good. But so I get that. Okay, so let's start talking about, let's talk about some business stuff. If you, you have had like massive success, I wanna talk a little bit like about things that you've learned through failures or whatever, but I wanted to ask like, I don't know that this exists, but if you could concoct like a perfect recipe for like launching a successful business, like idea, product, market, like what are the three, two to five, however many, things that you need to like get that done so i personally when i launch a business i like to scratch my own itch you know so um actually there's, there's two different ways like one is like when i launch a business myself or when i launch a business in my portfolio of businesses where i do not plan on running it myself so if i run it myself i have to be like really passionate about the topic and really you know passionate about like needs a deeper meaning for me um not just like make some money because like you can make money in, in in a million different different ways should be you should be passionate about this um if it's i personally currently I, my my situation is that i have this portfolio of companies and i always like to launch businesses where i scratch my own itch for example upcoach which is a coaching platform i launched because um my managing happiness course where I help people to figure out their mission, vision, values, and goals, and basically how to run your life the same way you'd run a business. Um, first, I had a DIY course, and I only had 3% of people, no, 7% of people who bought the course completed the course, and I thought, oh, my course must be horrible uh, because people don't, don't complete it. It's actually a, a reasonably good completion rate for DIY courses. But I was doing this more out of for impact reasons, not to make money. So I want to really figure out how do I get people through the course that they, they actually have the transformation that they're looking for. And so I started cohort-based coaching where people like watch some video content, then we meet and do some homework. And then we meet once a week with, with a cohort of people for eight weeks. And this worked really well. I have a 93% completion rate right now. And um, I could not, it was working well, but cobbled together with lots of different tools. And it was like taking a lot of my time. And so I asked my C the CTO of uh, another business of mine to build me something, and it got better and better and better, and to the point that I had a really cool, cool product. And um, then I started like it came to the it had the quality that it could be also sold to others. And then the um, so yeah, number one, you should be passionate about the project, uh, about the, the the niche that you're going into. For me, it's also like having a coaching tool is because I want to have positive impact in the world. And if I can, if I can give a tool to coaches that then help more people, you know, it's, it's kind of very aligned with what I want of life. So this one, and then um, you want to know the industry really well. And since I'm not a coach, I, uh, I partnered up with Todd Herman. He wrote The Auto Ego Effects, New York Times bestseller. Uh, he's a coach for 20 some years. He also worked with uh, Kobe to um, to create his Black Mamba alter ego. You know, it's like a real rock star in the coaching space. I love that. And so 
every time when I start a business, I'd like to have a quote unquote poster child that is recognized and trusted inside of the industry that I'm going into. Because when, you know, when, um, you know, people hear like, oh, Todd is involved in this business, then there's like trust given, you know, like if yeah, it's like David Hensel is involved in this coaching, coaching space, like who the heck is he? Yeah, know? exactly. Got it. Right? right. So I think that's like definitely something that makes it much easier to, um, to grow fast. At Max CDN, my startup in LA, we did the same thing of having this poster child. We had this poster client. We went, a CDN is a content delivery network. It's like web hosting to make websites load faster. And we went to Mashable and told Mashable like, hey guys, we give you the CDN for free and we buy a banner on your page. In return, all you have to do is put at the bottom of your page, accelerated by Max CDN. Yeah. You know, and like we had with, um, with, um, Lots of customers on on calls. They're like, okay, you can stop pitching. You had me at Mashable, you know, because yeah, like yeah. such a trusted <laughs> trusted um, brand. Uh, there's this book called Crossing the Chasm, which is um, you have the early adopters that are fine with like testing something out, but then the early majority between the early adopters and the early majority is this chasm that you have to bridge, because the early majority only uses things that their peers are using, because they do not necessarily want to buy the best product. They want to buy a product that's safe for them. There's yes, a saying like nobody yes. gets fired for choosing IBM, you know, so kind of like right. and they only buy things that their peers are using. And so it's, it's cool. I and mean, you can find this poster client that um, yeah, brings brings trust into your world. That like reminds me of when I was working at Superplastic in marketing and in, you know, product sales. I read a study once about like Gen Z in particular and this trust that Gen Z as like a consumer group and as with buying power, they have to see something like upwards of five times through like inf influencers, their friends, their family, like they they need that. They're not as impulsive shoppers and spenders as like generations before them. And I think that that is only increasing like in this new digital era. Do you think that that's there's any truth to that, that like having, you know, living in a world that we are so connected? Bombarded. Yeah, mm. bombarded exactly by all the apps and the ads and everything, algorithms that we really need to have like you what is it a cat catism did you call it i'm, I'm learning chasm it's called crossing the chasm it's it's, it's this, yes. this, this business book you know? yeah is so, that um, is that in is that like heightened and amplified now as we progressively become more digital in our everyday you know lived experience um i had a startup once that uh, failed because my daughter was born. I was doing this simultaneously to Max at the end, so I could not focus on it anymore. Mm. It's called Social Prove It, socialproof.it. And the idea was that uh, when I buy a product, I do not want to I don't go after testimonials because what is a good experience for you may be a terrible experience for right, me. Yeah. You know? So we had like this, this widget on e-commerce stores where you could easily ask your friends about a certain product and that get feedback from your friends. Because when you want fashion advice, you go to your mm -hmm. whatever. Yeah. <laughs> fashion friends, if you want computer advice, you go to your nerd, nerdy friends, you know? So yes, like, and yes. what you're nerding. And so if, if there's just a random review on something, it doesn't really help me. So you won't have context. So we start building this because I think it's like, that's the most powerful thing. If you can see a friend of yours endorsing mm -hmm. the product or using the product or an influencer or celebrity, this like makes it makes it much easier. Um, so I definitely believe there's, there's a lot of truth in it. Truth in this. I do not know how this is with the, with the new generation. Cause I, 
do not yeah. really market to the new generation. It's like, well, for me, it's like, right. Well, it's, it's definitely interesting and it's, it's hard to keep up with. We'll talk about some new age digital products later on. So I wanted to, I read something on Instagram. I wanted to read it and get your thoughts, speaking of social and get your thoughts on it. Cause I think it, you know, presents an interesting kind of thesis. So starting a business isn't for everyone and it's not what you should do if you aren't sure what else to do. It requires thick skin and a willingness to carry a great deal of stress, sometimes alone. It's more often a life of failure than a life of success. And the majority of successes come after a long road of disappointment and often shame. That's the quote. Agree, disagree, discuss. I'm interested to get your feedback. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, uh, today it's like, you know, Back in the days when I was young, people wanted to be in rock bands and like become rich and famous through being in in, yeah. in, in a band, you know. Superstar. And today, all the kids want to be like, I want to be an entrepreneur, you know, like and you know, make make money that way and become famous that way. So, yeah. I think it just like became like the cool thing to do. Everybody has like the status of like entrepreneur on their uh, on their uh, profile everywhere. Hashtag I entrepreneur. <laughs> Hashtag entrepreneur. Yeah, I actually think that a lot of people that say they're entrepreneurs, they're not entrepreneurs because they, they kind of work for themselves, like have some agency or whatever. But I think you're, you're really an entrepreneur if you can be detached. The business is running without you. You work on the business, not in the business. You know, you not have ideally nothing to do with the day to day. You know, this is like the extreme version. But for, for me, it's like this desired thing that I just coach the leaders of my organizations and I'm like can't really work on the business and I have I'm not getting yeah. sucked into the day to the day, to day then this is like true freedom versus like being still in the hamster wheel yes oh. yes yeah that's a really good distinction so you mentioned you know people used to want to be a rock star superstar rich and famous whatever and now people want to be an entrepreneur but obviously there's a very small percentage of people that have the talent the grit the look the vibe to be a rock star and be a superstar and i think similarly there is a small percentage of people that have what it takes to really do what you described work on the business and not in the business through your coaching through your work how do you kind of help people to identify where they fit or maximize their own skill set or capabilities within being able to be successful in becoming an entrepreneur in the same way of becoming like a rock star <laughs> of the modern mm. age uh, I, I actually do not help people to become entrepreneurs um I, uh, I with managing happiness it's a program where i help people to figure out their mission vision and values in the most important areas of their life them as the professional them as the family or um, family person or like their social circles, how they want to show up there. Mm -hmm. And then for themselves, like mind, body, spirit, and defining the goals there, the OKRs there, and the habits that you need to achieve mm -hmm. the things that you actually want to achieve. So this is something where I help people to to define this, but it has nothing to do with becoming an entrepreneur. It can also right. be yeah, becoming whatever you want to become, basically. Because right. I think that's, that's also the issue with the times, like, keeping up with the Joneses, doing what's popular right now, and that kind of taking the time to figuring out, like, what do I really want? And, you know, that's, uh, I think, the most important question that you should ask yourself before you do anything, you know? And not what does your father Definitely. want, what, not, not your society or whatever. It's like, what does really makes you happy? Definitely. And I think, like, that's something that I am asking myself on a regular basis as well. And I find it really, some days it's easier to answer than others. Like, is this, 
in through your work of like managing happiness and helping people identify their vision and mission and values and goals like do you find that people struggle similarly to myself like that that can waver or is like real potential and kind of happiness unlocked when you can zone in on what that one to three things is that kind of helps you get down your path like identify those goals because i my goals change all the time like am i just a mess like or is that part of the <laughs> part of ha finding happiness and managing happiness as well yeah it's an interesting question i have a similar issue um i actually just did this exercise that gave me a lot of clarity um it's um the book is called immunity to change and the author was at some workshop some Harvard professor. And we did this exercise where you can figure out if you really want something, like you want to hit, push the gas and in, in this, this hit the pedal to go towards this, but you subconsciously pump the brakes. Um, like why, why is this? And kind of like finding the hidden, um, yeah, the hidden commitments that you have. And um, for me with managing happiness and, and love, not fear, these are my passion projects. I really believe that it's my personal mission on this planet to make this as widely known as possible to help as many people as possible to understand the love and fear concept and to live by by this and kind of realizing um and being able to switch from a state of fear to a state of love and kind of also helping to figure out what they really want but i attempted to lean into this like four or five times and i always then like oh let's start this other business like i distract myself with with other things and not leaning into this and i was really wondering like why, why this is the the case and also kind of like you know with businesses i have no like imposter syndrome or, or whatever and i also don't care if it works or not but with this one i'm like really tied to it and like you know as you mentioned like your superpower being like super tied to the outcome of it that it has to yeah. work you know and um uh i was always you know i was pondering like why is this the case and i found out that because this is my personal mission if I do not achieve this, I think I fail at life, you know, failing at some business, oh, wow. you know, it's like, yeah, eh, whatever. But this one, like, it's, mm -hmm. it's much deeper. And um, now I'm just, like, pushing myself, tracking, like, how much time do I spend on these, you know, passion projects or, like, the things that I really want to do versus other things. And I, it's, you know, I always have to, I was just on this this trip in, uh, in, in Germany uh, with some other entrepreneur friends and they're like, five other ideas on like, of businesses to start and you know i was like i'm very close <laughs> to doing it and then kind of like neglecting the it's so it, i think it's normal to being all over the place um but i think it's still important to kind of like know what you yeah. what you really want definitely i think you what it sounds like is you kind of had an element of like reframing and i think that is where like that's something that i find that when i implement and apply in my life like i reframe the way that i think about things like I do learn more about myself like you said you know is if this since this is, feels like my purpose or what I really want to do there's a certain element of avoidance out of that fear that that ha comes with being with existing and being on on earth so tell me a little bit about love and fear and the relationship the juxtaposition that paradigm between the two when it comes to business when it comes to life everything sure sure happy, happy to share with you uh, one thing before i think it's fine to kind of like being all over the place in this regard and like with, with your goals 
the only thing you can't be all over the place is your values you should really mm, figure out yes. like what are your core values and not violate those so i think that's that's yeah, really, really agree. important agree important definitely thing. so with love not fear i just you know and i told you before like how it helped me to be a recovering introvert and how it helps me with public speaking or being on podcasts or talking to strangers um also helped in in business for example my assistant um i asked her to write an internal newsletter on what's going on in each department because we grew very fast and nobody knew what the other one other team was doing <laughs> yeah familiar. Um, and uh i thought okay this this newsletter could internal newsletter could fix it and i told her hey to go to each department head and figure this out and then compile it and then we send it out on monday at 4 p.m and every time she gave me the draft it was it was garbage and i mm. pulled her asked her to come to my office to like hey d I think you're doing this out of fear, not out of love. And she looked at me like, WTF, what do you, you know, what, what does this mean? What do you want from me? So I explained to her like, hey, if you'd do this out of love, you'd go to each department head and really figure out what they what they did. Also what our CTO just implemented or plans to implement because she was not super technical. And then you'd write this in a way that everybody gets the most information out of it. It's fun reading it, you know, and it's like looking forward to the next one. Then you do it with love, but you're doing it. I think you're doing it only because David said this thing has to go out on right. at four p.m. Yeah, you know, kind of right. like acting. And um, this really clicked with her. I never had to correct anything. At the end, we even had like a video newsletter where she interviewed people and cut it together. It was like really. Oh, that's amazing. My wife always asked me to do stuff around the house, like, "Hey, let's hang up this this picture frame or do X, Y, Z," and I hate doing things like this i prefer to do my taxes over this you know it's like really the last thing <laughs> i want to do and uh she and i always did it out of fear because i do not want to have conflict with her right of course, and so, right and every time i do a task out of fear i hate the process and then the result is also shit because if you don't do it with love you know like the result is, is always exactly yeah. yeah and then i have a fight with her afterwards anyway because it's not up to her spec you know so it's like <laughs> no, nobody was winning yeah uh but now that I have this love not fear concept, I still sometimes start out of fear because I still don't like it. But then I switch to love to make our place nice and to make my wife happy. Yeah. And all of a sudden, it, it's the process is much better. Sometimes I even like the task, you know, and it's uh, and the outcome is always way way better. You know, so it's like many ways on uh, how you can 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 use this. Actually, another cool story my brother told me a few weeks ago. He always ha we have these love not fear stickers handed out thousands or oh, ten thousand of them or so and uh randomly everybody i meet i basically like tell them the story about love and fear and give them a sticker and a lot of people put them on their phones so they're kind of omni omnipresent here yeah I love and that. um my brother said this pregnant woman came to him and said like do you remember me and he's like uh and she said you gave me one of these stickers six months ago and you told me the story about love not fear and that day in the morning, I found out I'm pregnant and I was sitting in this cafe contemplating to get an abortion. And she oh, decided wow. to keep the baby because of the story. Yeah, so I was oh, like, Yay. wow, that's such a beautiful story. I love that. I think it, for me, it was like bringing up these thoughts and feelings of like, again, like reframing and doing something that you want to do. Like if you are doing it out of love, then it becomes a thing that you want to do instead of a thing that you feel like you have, have to do. Like like your assistant or you with your wife. And I listen to like, a, I am a highly therapized woman, <laughs> as I've mentioned, because I have a lot of feelings. And I listen to a lot of Esther Perel, who's an amazing, like love relationship psychologist. And, 
you know, she was saying similarly, like, okay, if you are in a relationship with somebody and they go to make a sandwich and after they make their sandwich, they leave all the, all the ingredients out and enjoy their sandwich and then go on with their day. And you get so pissed because you've got to put all the ingredients back in the fridge. Like when you just realize, like, I love this person. I know that like I there, this is what they do. This is part of their, you know, behavioral pattern. And I'm going to put this away for them because it will make me happy that I won't be angry at them. And like, it, it really reminds me of that. And then it becomes a thing that you want to do because you want to show your love and your servitude to that person. So I really love also, that. Also words are important. You said you you have to put this away. You do not have to put this away. Right. You want to put this away because exactly. you, you know, have different places. Exactly. So it's, it's really cool. It's amazing. I love that. I think it's a good motto. And I think if more people, like you said, you cannot compromise on your core values. Like it's okay to waver in your goals or what you want to do or whatever. But if that is, if your core values, I think if a lot more people in the world you know, we're able to hone in on this and to act with love and not fear, then the world would be a better place. So obviously you're crushing it. I'm totally in. I feel like I'm having a, a, a lesson right now, but you speak on organizational development, leadership and personal development and managing happiness. So besides love, not fear, which I've picked up on as one of the core tenants in these areas, what are some other you know, values or pillars that we can, that people can expect together or, or take away from your speaking engagements or your kind of general um, approach to life and business? Yeah, in terms of speaking, I spoke a lot about um, organization development. I, uh, I really like EOS, the Entrepreneurial Operating System. It's a book called Traction, Get a Grip on Your Business. Um, but these days, as you know, my, my focus shifted a little bit. I mainly talk about love, not fear, and managing happiness and helping people yeah. to figure out what they want out of life and then, then how to get it. Another big thing actually I talk about is because it's very connected with love, not fear, is company culture, how to create a proper comp yeah. company culture. Because you know, it's a company culture where people act out of love and not out of fear. You know, because uh, you know, in the sales team, if you sell out of fear you only sell because you have to hit your numbers or you have to pay your mortgage yes. etc it's it's like it, it's it's not, not easy but if you sell because like hey what we have here can help the other person you know and you only sell to him if this is like really the right product for for this person and like completely changes everything so um helping people to get into this mindset in in, in business or also getting the culture right so you have everybody in your organization it's like living by your core values and is excited about the mission and vision that the company has. We go to great lengths to make sure that everybody that we have on the team is on board with this. When we do a uh, job posting, we have a video of the hiring manager that is talking about the position, but also about the core values and the mission and vision. Then um, when we hire people, they have to sign the last pages listing our core values they have to initial next to each core value mm -hmm. and sign that they're going to live up to those core values or this can be a reason for termination okay. uh then we have when people come in um the first uh every month we have one call with the business leader who talks to all the new recruits about our mission and vision and tells core value stories to each core value to make sure people really understand how you can live those so we go at great length to make sure we have a good culture and, and trust in the organization. And um, something we also have in our businesses is the error log. 
in some of the businesses they call that the improvement log because they think error log is too negative. Um, basically, every fuck up, that, sorry, every mess up that we have. You can in, definitely swear. <laughs> okay, <right. laughs> My podcast is kind of known for it. <laughs> All right, cool. I've been holding back the entire time. Shit. Oh my God, David. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Now we know. Okay, please right. fucking go on. <laughs> All right. So basically every fuck up is recorded in this error log. You know, like what happened, who was involved, which customer was affected, is it solved? And then most importantly, what can we do to make sure this never happens again? Yeah. Which standard operating procedure can we change to make sure this never reoccurs? Yeah. And the idea is that everybody can, nobody gets in trouble for fucking up mm-hmm. yeah but i'll murder you if you do not add it to the error log that's the yeah, idea you know so we kind of like have a culture of like it's totally cool to break things but you have to tell me that you broke it and have ideas like how we can make sure this never breaks again otherwise if you do not add it it's like i feel betrayed you know because yeah, you're basically course, yeah. hiding something from me exactly you know? yeah and, definitely um, in magic happiness i also teach people to do the same thing for their personal life like having have a log of like things if something doesn't work you sit down and figure out like why did this not work what can i do next time to make sure this never happens again so you're like a self-healing machine to to always get better do you think that in so like i can relate to this again because the startup that i worked at for many years three years not many but we had like a wheel that we would spin if we fucked up like and there was like kind of rewards on it like a gift card to go to ben and jerry's ice cream or like whatever you get to pick lunch for the week for the whole team but the idea was that like you step up acknowledge to everybody what happened like you mm, said who was involved cool. and i think like that was it it fostered a great culture of you know owning up to the things that you did wrong and making a commitment and and having accountability from your team and i think what i want to ask about is like when you translate that to a personal relationship like in particular like your romantic partner or your husband wife whatever i think for me what kind of like raises rings alarm bells for me is that somebody maybe feels like they're on the back foot or like if i'm the person who fucked up and i'm bringing that to my partner i might you know be in this like fight or flight kind of position or it might whereas like you know at work it's like these are the people that you work with and to a certain degree when one person fucks up you have the benefit is is that you have this whole group to help kind of absorb that blow whereas in a relationship you maybe are going to absorb most of it yourself or you know if you have a great partner they'll help you take it on so what do you think about like is there an element of like power dynamics or kind of like you know, releasing ego or releasing defenses to be able to make this work as well at home as it does on a company-wide level. Yeah, for sure. Actually, the original course of managing happiness was how to apply business principles to your family life. Mm-hmm. You know, so my, the, the first thing was my my wife. Actually, I came home from a meeting about the roles and responsibilities at Maxia in my last business. And I was sitting on the couch, super tired, and our daughter Emma had a full diaper. And I told, I told my wife, like, hey, honey, look, Emma has a full diaper. My wife got really upset because she thought I'm telling her to change the diaper, which was not my intention. Right. She's like yeah. making a tired observation. And I thought, like, why is she so freaked out? And um, and then I really had this aha moment. Hey, we never talked about the roles and responsibilities in the household. Mm-hmm. And the next morning we sat down, we spelled it out, like, what am I responsible? What are you responsible for? And what do you expect of me and vice versa? And this took away 80% of the friction we had in our relationship. Mm-hmm. 
And I thought like, holy cow, if this works so well, maybe we take other elements of business and apply it to our personal life. You know, like having core values, having a mission, having a vision, having regular meetings, having our shared calendars, having like a task management yeah, manager yeah. that we have both access to. And um, we also have meetings where we talk about what is me annoying, what what's annoying me and what's annoying her, you know, of, of each other. And um, when you do this in a, not in the heated moment where your emotions are involved, yeah, you know, definitely. when you, when you, we talk about the issue, like a day later, after you, you know, the, the, the meetings are always like, you know, after yoga class or after dinner or like, you know, kind of like a nice setting, not being exhausted, like between, between doors. Mm-hmm. Um, then it has a very different dynamic because then you are in a solution oriented mindset and you not just want to win the argument, you know, because, yes. you know what I mean? It's yes. like saying if your head of sales is not bringing in the numbers, you'd never yell at them. You'd say like, hey, like, let's it's marketing. This. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, it's like, how do we right. fix this? You know, and exactly, it's like yeah. different. So, yeah, I think this um, makes life much easier. Yeah. And, and another thing on guilt, I think guilt is... When I do something that pisses off my wife, if I sit on the couch and feel guilty, she has like no benefit from this. But if I think about like like, hey, what can I do to make sure this never happens again? What can I do to fix it? You know, then like it's you, you use your energy, you know, in a I mean, acting out of love and not out of fear. You know, it's like oh, what that oh no. Hey, what, what can you do to yeah. always be solution oriented? Yeah, agree. Oh, that's amazing. It's like like pragmatic, <clears throat> but also like it, it does have. I do see like the empathetic approach to that, even though we're, it's like full circle from where we started the conversation, but really like, I think there's a way to think about, you know, how does this affect the other person or how does this affect me? Like, and what does that mean if we can like, kind of, like you said, find the solution and kind of break that cycle instead of just, you know, feeling guilty, but not really making any commitment to make changes. Like it is, and in the same way, like that is exactly how you would go about interacting and engaging with the team that you work with. You know, I don't want to let this team down. I want to get my numbers up. I want to deliver this. I want to make everybody feel proud and happy the way that I do. Like there's there's just so much fulfillment that can come from that. So I love it. Very cool. Okay. So last thing like I want to kind of talk about a little bit is business tech. And you've obviously been building in this space in this world, SaaS and e-com for over 20 years. When it comes to e-com in particular, obviously with the advent of like Shopify or drop shipping tools, things like that, that has made it possible for anybody to launch a, you know, online shop in like basically under 10 minutes and be able to get put start to push product out. So that I would say is like probably a pretty mainstream change that's possible like i'm more something that i'm aware of at least but what is something maybe it is the tech itself maybe it's kind of the like the organizations that own and operate that tech that is more of like an insider only secret kind of awareness of what's happened in the last 20 years i mean the the thing that's recently happened with with chat gpt and and the ai thing i think it's like it's going to massively change yeah. everything i've like in in Two of my companies with like 500 plus employees and we do customer support and i don't know how this will affect this this industry mm-hmm. um i think it's like oh the it's the power drill for the knowledge worker 
Yeah. And you will not be replaced by it, but you will be replaced by somebody using this power drill. Yeah, exactly. You know? So I think that's like a, um, and a lot of jobs will like it's, yeah. Not, not sure how this will if this will end in, mm-hmm. in um, uh, what's it called? Public is it public basic income or like you know basically you get money from the government because like people will not have jobs anymore to keep the economic engine running. Oh yeah. But I think I that's like a that. real threat of what's what's coming. You know, so yeah, it's it's get, get down dirty with 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 GPT. Use the all the good tools that are out there. Uh, AI PRM is a really good one. Chrome extension. A friend of mine launched this. Yep, I love uh, AI tools. Chat GPT. I told one of my girlfriends, I was like, you don't even have to sext anymore. You can just go on Chat GPT and have it write your text messages. <laughs> a newly single a newly single girlfriend she's like i don't know how to be single i'm like it's so easy now we've got chat gpt <laughs> my my it's partner awesome, yeah. yeah my partner is an artist a digital artist and he's been a digital artist since you know forever he has like a, a fi- over 15 year career used to make make mixtapes for basically every rapper and hip hop artist and you know he hasn't he's been taking a little break and i think the fact that AI people can be incredible artists via AI just by using prompts is a big, you know, it is a it definitely like triggers a big insecurity, I think, when it comes to these things. But even he is like, okay, let's get with it. Like uh, if if I'm an artist and you can be an AI artist with your words and I can be an AI artist artist as well. So it's definitely big. I think it's the same thing with in the music industry. I used to DJ like very long time ago, like very cool. you know, with, <laughs> like, with, with turntables and stuff. Nice, you know? nice. My brother took it over. My brother still DJs and he produces, and he always complains it's now so easy. You just like use Tractor, like one of these tools, and just yeah. like hit sync, and then you know like, before it was like very, you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I literally have one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, so so it kind of switches from like knowing the craft to being a good marketer, you know, as a DJ. It's kind of like really like, you know, how do you, for example, Dead Mouse, for example, like he became so popular because like triggers the word of mouth, like, oh, there's this guy playing with the, with the yep. mouse head on, you know. So it really shifts to just being a better marketer. Same, same with AI art or whatever it's coming. It's all like, how do you position it properly and how do you drive demand like in front of people you know exactly well dead mouse figured it out because at this point it's like who even is under there you don't know like it's the brand like oh, yeah if yeah like he, he, he doesn't even, even have to, to play you know can be something else yeah. <laughs> just yeah. get a body double and say press this button and like look like you're having a good yes. time yes, like yes. study time. my my dance moves at the decks and you're good so okay this is a good place um my last question is kind of around this you know we've got all the buzzwords, metaverse, NFTs, AI, cryptocurrency, AR, VR, like what, in your opinion, what new age tech trends actually have, you know, use cases and are here to stay for the long run for the next 20 years of business and, and society and relationships and everything. And what do you think like is just completely like dead on arrival? Like what is a fad that's going to die out? Um, I think the AI thing is definitely here to stay. Yeah. Um, the the technology in terms of NFTs, you know, since this this is your space, I think there's like a lot of potential there in terms of the technology and how it can I be agree. used. Mm-hmm. But like 
the hype of like you know there was just like too much money in the market and people were just so like true. pushing it up so i think like this you know uh what was that uh the not the last one but the uh the what's it called uh art basel in miami like not not this one but the one before and was i was like too that's so funny i was there that year too <laughs> yeah it was crazy right like crazy you know and so i think this will definitely change or um you know, also i think cryptocurrency like bitcoin etc is, is gonna stay for a while but then as, as we saw all like the the people just riding the, the hype wave yeah uh you know just just all all went away i think also in, in with ai tools a lot of people just like build little tools here or there which will also be gone soon because it's going to be part of the operating system it's going to be part yeah. of you know microsoft and, and apple and like in, in the iphone kind of like built in so a lot of these little tools will just like be irrelevant same with shopify sometimes there's like a yeah. an app that on shopify that's crushing it and then shopify brings it in-house and builds yeah. the application themselves and then like and then you have to dead. pay 500 dollars a month in order to be able to access it when it was like a 1099 add-on yeah totally agree yeah i'm probably the most like nft hating nft enthusiasts like <laughs> because i uh, similarly like i have always been like a advocate for the technology and i've always been able to really see i'm like oh this is you know this is an opportunity to make life and systems in our society our society more efficient and these days the more i see you know news articles come out like um fed now has basic or like visa plus having these payment systems that are essentially like you could swap out language to show like blockchain based or like, mm. re you know, non blockchain centralized financing system. It's essentially the same use case and the same technology, but it's not decentralized. And it makes me, you know, kind of feel like we've maybe lost hope or that it's been like the over the hype and the speculation have really like drowned out this Damaged. promise of. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Damage this this whole philosophy of self-sovereignty and decentralization because there does have to be centralized systems. And if they can make these this technology attractive and useful to the greater good in the general population, you already have that trust validator. You already have that as a centralized system, like you were saying about your kind of business success recipe of having that validator that poster child it's like visa already is the poster child the federal reserve already is the poster child yeah i think it's i mean i guess now it's being used against the idea of like yeah. uh you know because like if if you know like china has like the uh, the digital currency and now you know everything that everybody's doing you know everything i'm paying for you know it's like you have the like complete transparency and you can block certain things like, oh, you're not allowed to buy this, you know, like, oh, you buy cigarettes with this, so your health insurance goes up. So it's like complete, you complete, like, yeah, uh, wow. yeah, transparent now. So like, you know, I guess that's is the the opposite effect of what was initially. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> we will have to see where it goes the next twenty years. Well, David, thank you so much for chatting with me and for opening up and for helping. Like, I think this has just been such a valuable conversation, and it has been great getting to know you and chatting with you. And I'll definitely be. I'm a. I'm a big fan and committed follower on Instagram. So keep it up. I love Yay. it. <laughs> thank you awesome. so much. Appreciate you.
The Carson Daily Show is a Decentral Media production. Please follow this show wherever you listen to podcasts. Rate me five stars, share it with your friends and foes, and DM me any questions you have. You can find and follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Carson Daily and the show's dedicated Instagram at The Carson Daily Show. Carson Daily Show.